Forge Audio Update for Thursday, November 20th, 2008. We've had a very interesting last 24 hours or so, as John Fitch has gone from being released from the UFC uh, and having the entire American Kickboxing Academy pretty much blackballed to John Fitch now back in the UFC, according to a report from MMARated.com. So, um, what went down, basically is things came to a head for Dana White and uh, the management team of Dwayne Zinkin and Bob Cook, uh, who represent many at the American Kickboxing Academy and also members of the American Kickboxing Academy. Uh, things came to a head over negotiations for John Fitch and trying to get him to sign a video game likeness rights contract that would give the UFC likeness rights for video games specifically um, for John Fitch for life. It's a contract that's gone out to many of the uh, other fighters in the UFC that according to Dana White he's had no problems with, has had no problems getting it from anyone, and uh, John Fitch and his management basically, Fitch felt that Dana was coming at him with an ultimatum and that the way it came came off was not right to him. Now, my take on this, uh, I wrote an article about it earlier, but Fitch never spoke to Dana White. His management did. Dana White has publicly stated problems with uh, the AKA and the Zinc and Management Group. Um in negotiations in the past and said that uh, it was saying today that they've been very difficult for him and pretty much you know when it comes down to it this is a business he's gonna do what he needs to do to make his business work and if an organization is being overly difficult which he feels they were here um, and have been in the past he wanted to cut ties with this business now uh, the MMA rated story does say that John Fitch spoke with Lorenzo Fertitta and they aired things out and he agreed to sign the bout or the agreement for the video game rights. As he stated, it was never really about that. It was about the way that it was presented to him. And we still don't have all the facts here. He didn't talk to Dana. His management did again. And we don't know. It's a possibility that his management was the one bringing it to him like it was an ultimatum. Because the way Dana explains it, yeah, you've got to take some of Dana White's comments with a grain of salt, but at the same time, the way his story goes with it, um, basically, he was trying to get them to sign it, uh, and from the sounds of it, if he would have talked to Fitch in person on it, it wouldn't have been an issue, but the way that his relationship is with these guys, you know... Um, he says, I've negotiated things with AKA for nine years, but they're one of the only teams that are impossible to negotiate with. He said, I've had a problem with Dwayne Zinkin since day one. Uh, this guy's an absolute... Chuck Liddell basically had to tell him, but out of my business. You handle my sponsorships, I'll handle my business with the UFC. Those are Dana's comments to Sergio Nan at USA Today. Um, he had interviews last night with both Dana White and John Fitch, getting their si each of their sides of the story. And, well... You can't take 
everything that Dana White says is gospel truth at the same time, the things he's saying make sense. And the way Fitch is talking about it, he's talking like it was a personal attack on him um, and that it was completely, you know, wrong the way Dana handled it. But at the same time, you don't know exactly how it was handled. We're not privy to the conversations that took place between Fitch and his management. It's quite possible that Fitch's management aggravated the situation and, um, you know, caused more problems on both ends. And it's all for naught now because Fitch is coming back to the UFC. So is Christian Wellish, who was cut at, with him yesterday, uh, both members of the American Kickboxing Academy. And, uh, I mean, the big blow-up over the, the past day has been the status of Cain Velasquez and Josh Koscheck because their status was up in air with all of this talk because... Basically, they each had one more fight scheduled, and it was going to be that, and they're done if they're associated with them. Um, now, what will be interesting to see is if Lorenzo basically is overruling Dana on this, if he's taking more of a stance on this, or if by talking it over with Fitch and kind of explaining things, if part of uh, that just goes with his side of it right now and um i mean we'll see if something happens with dana white here and his handling of this maybe the fertitas didn't agree with his handling of it especially um his profanity laced tirade uh on a radio program yesterday as well so um it's an interesting situation that i mean it's all of the arguments and all of the back and forth that have gone on a message forge today it's been a little ridiculous. Um, people were hopping all over the exclusive rights to the video game for life as if it was for absolutely everything and basically calling Dana out as uh, pretty much being the devil incarnate and being a terrible person. And plain and simple, he's trying to run a business. He's trying to make money. And when this organization, uh, the, the management team and the AKA are trying to you know, make difficulties for him and hold up their fighters is more important than the rest of what's going on. I mean, I see where Dana's coming from with it, and I see where his, his take is on this, but at the same time, there's, uh, there's a lot to be said for what the, the fighters deserve and what the fighters should be getting in terms of pay and stuff from, from the organization. There's a lot of things that have not been worked out in that end, and there's a lot of anger and resentment issues that go on with fans because of that and Dana White has become, you know the face of evil, so to speak for a lot of the people um, that follow this sport and I just don't see that and I, I think it was really quick to take the side against him in this whole situation and not look at all at the part that AKA and um, Zink and team had in this entire thing because they're just as much to blame as Dana White for what happened over the last day. And I'm very glad that John Fitch is now back with the UFC, that this thing was just a one-day gaffe, that uh, hopefully um, things will get figured out and they'll be able to move forward from it. But 
you know, really for people to just attack Dana White based on what happened and immediately overlook the fact that it was a culmination of things that led to this and it wasn't just um, a flippant decision. Uh, it, it was a, a culmination of uh, business partnerships and negotiations in the past and having difficulties with them in the past that led to what happened yesterday. But again, it's all for naught because, you know, Fitch is back in and that's really all that matters. Um, he'll get to fight and, you know, all the talk of, you know, MMA fighters needing to form a union because that's been going around as well. It makes sense. A lot of it does. Um, I'm not disagreeing with it. They, they need to represent themselves the same way that pro wrestlers should be trying to represent themselves, but it's just not happening. Um, and it's, it's going to take a while before enough people get enough clout to really be able to build it together and uh, get something like that going. Um, but that's, that's all I wanted to touch on on that with Fitch back in. It's, it's kind of all a moot point at the, at the moment, so we'll, uh, we'll continue to follow that, obviously, and, and hopefully get some more information as to if, um, Fertitta did kind of overrule Dana here or what happened with that. Um, but I promised this yesterday and failed to deliver, so I'm bringing it now, uh, I wanted to discuss our heavyweight rankings from this week. Um, the staff rankings were compiled by getting everyone on the staff voting their top ten, um, you know, adding up the placements and where they were and figuring out who went where based on the votes that we got. So the official top ten for the MMA Torch staff, uh, obviously Fedor at number one, uh, Antonio Rodrigo Noguera at number two, Andre Orlovsky at number three, Brock Lesnar at number four, Josh Barnett at number five, Randy Couture at six, Gabriel Gonzaga at seven, Tim Sylvia at eight, Frank Mir number nine, and Fabricio Verdum rounding out the top ten. Uh, now, the rest of our staff has gone through, and they've been giving their reasonings during the week uh, for why they picked who they did. Everyone's got different opinions on this. Everyone's got their voice, and that's why rankings are... Um, such a subjective thing, so if you disagree, send them in to us at torchrankings at, at gmail.com. Uh, we'd love to hear from you, and we can get a Torch Nation rankings going with enough of you sending in who you think are the top ten fighters in the world right now. Um, I want to mention again, also receiving votes on our staff members' top tens were Ben Rothwell, Alistair Overeem, Chuck Congo, Junior Dos Santos, Shane Carwin, Antonio Silva, and Crow Cop. So, um, it was a wide range of opinions and a wide range of, of thoughts on who should go where. For me personally, my number one obviously is Fedor. That was a unanimous decision. Um, and, and, until someone major shows that they can beat him, he's going to be there. Uh, Big Nog at number two. He's the UFC heavyweight champion. He's the heavyweight, or the interim heavyweight champion. And uh, he's set to take on Frank Mir next month. And he's got another big fight set against him if he gets through that in uh, a fight against Lesnar. So uh, he's, he's definitely at the top of that list as well. Um, number three for me was Arlovsky, just like uh, 
our, our main listing. I mean, when he's on his game, he is definitely a top three heavyweight. And his last two fights, he's been on his game. He had a lackluster finish to his UFC run. Um, I mean, we could possibly see him back in there in the future, but right now, fighting for affliction, he gets a big chance against Fedor Emelianenko in uh, January. So, Andre Arlovsky's at number three for me. At number four, I've got your UFC heavyweight champion in Brock Lesnar. Um, a lot of people don't think he deserves to be this high. A lot of people don't think uh, with only four fights under his belt he deserves to be ranked um, in consideration with this. But he just destroyed Randy Couture in, this, in that second round. I mean, Randy tested him, and Brock passed with flying colors. He destroyed Heath Herring in August. Yeah, he lost to Frank Mir, but I think in a rematch, Mir doesn't stand a chance. Um, and, and really, the, the three guys I've got ahead of him, and maybe the guy I've got below him, have uh, would be big challenges for him. Obviously, Fedor, I don't think that he can take Fedor at this point, but outside of that, Noguera's going to uh, provide plenty of issues for Lesnar to deal with. Same with uh, Arlovsky, I think, would be uh, a tough fighter when he's on his game for Lesnar to face. And, uh, you know, I, th I think that he's earned that spot with the dominance that he's shown, and he's only going to get better. So it's, it's also a potential ranking as well, because he's got the potential to be even better than a number four heavyweight. Uh, right below him, I got Josh Barnett. Coming off a victory, a knockout victory over Pedro Hizzo. Um, also fighting with Affliction. And, I mean, he's getting back into form and coming back onto the scene with Affliction here. And uh, he's another strong, tough, good striking heavyweight. Um, and he's just, he's continuing to show um, that he deserves to be in talk in this top 10. Uh, Couture I have down at number 6. Maybe a little high, but you know what? The people below him, I, I honestly believe that he would defeat all of them, and he's defeated the next two that I've got. Um, and, and a loss to Lesnar shouldn't send you way down the, down the list because Lesnar's just a beast of a man, and Randy is still Randy Couture. Um, and I got... Right below him, Gabriel Gonzaga, picking up his showcase win last weekend. Didn't really do much to move him further or uh, further up or further down, but uh, he's definitely on the cusp of being a championship caliber fighter, despite the fact that he was destroyed in his championship fight against Randy Couture. Uh, he has a chance to rebound from that and caused some fits for some of the other heavyweights in the division. Uh, I've got Tim Sylvia at number eight. I know I've been no proponent for Sylvia, and I've been less than a fan of Tim Sylvia. But the fact is, yeah, he's lost three of his last four, but they were to top competition. And the heavyweight division is such that, I mean, e even... Losing to Fedor and then Noguera right before that, it's it's 
there's still not much else below him to really drop him down further than uh, the 8 spot. And he's still got some type of presence. I mean, at 6-8, at he's still got uh, the physical capabilities to be a top heavyweight fighter. He just doesn't always show the skill or the, uh, the effort uh, in some of his outings to, to be considered at the top of the game. But uh, I wouldn't put him any lower than eight with the next two on the list. I've got um, at number nine for me was Verdum. It's the same thing uh, considering Tim Sylvia's situation. Yeah, Verdum lost his last fight by knockout to an unknown making his debut in the UFC. He looked like he was not in total shape for that. He looked like he was kind of looking past Dos Santos, still kind of hurt by being left out of the heavyweight tournament, and I think he just didn't have his head there. And I think you put him back in there with Dos Santos when Dos Santos isn't making his debut and isn't trying to make a statement. I think uh, you'll find a different outcome on that. Unfortunately, it may take a while to uh, get back to that point with Verdum now out of the UFC, but again, we'll see what happens with that. But he's still... A, a, a top-level heavyweight despite that loss, and he still deserves to be uh, at the number nine spot. Frank Mir rounds out my top ten, and even that's iffy. I went back and forth on putting some other fighters ahead of him. But, I mean, he's still in the heavyweight tournament. He did beat Lesnar. He's fighting Noguera. Once he gets destroyed by Noguera, we can drop him off the top ten, but... I mean, he's still in the very lackluster heavyweight division of the UFC in that top four right now. And uh, we'll, we'll see what happens against Noguera. Maybe he proves us all wrong that we're talking about right now, but I honestly don't see that happening. And he could find himself off this list sooner rather than later. Um, so that's what I got for you today on the, the heavyweight rankings again. If you agree, if you disagree, let us know at torchrankings at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your input and uh, see what you've got for us for rankings as well. Um, be sure to check out the stuff we've got going on on the main site. Alex Williams has been keeping his news blog updated. Uh, I've posted a couple of stories over the last few days, including uh, the fight that Fitch is actually now back on Schedule 4 against Akihiro Gono. The fight, uh, has been, the fight agreement has been signed by him and was put in before he was released yesterday. So that fight is still a go. Um, Jason Bent has a great column up about trying to get past Brock Lesnar's past and his wrestling and the two camps that we're looking at him coming over from WWE. So definitely check those out and keep yourself updated here on MMATorch.com. We'll have plenty more uh, as we keep going with this. And uh, if we hear more on the Fitch-Dana White situation, uh, we will definitely be letting you know. So keep checking us out here on MMATorch.com throughout the day for the latest news, updates, and analysis. And uh, we'll be back for more tomorrow. So... Thanks for listening once again. This is Jamie Penick signing off. I've given up.